because West and the Cavs have not come to an agreement yet, I think what it shows is that both sides are still interested in a uh, longer-term deal. Um, I think that if they weren't interested, that Delonte would have just accepted the qualifying offer and played out his last year in Cleveland. Um, but the fact that he hasn't just signed that qualifying offer tells me that he is still trying to get a long-term deal. I, you're not hearing anything at all in terms of a sign-in trade or anything like that. So I really think that uh, there's still a pretty decent chance that you'll see both sides uh, agreeing on a long-term deal at some point. Um, you know, we are. I, I don't think a holdout benefits anybody. We saw what it did last Last year to Sasha Pavlovich and uh, um, Anderson Varejo, I think it set both of those guys back, and they both regressed last year largely because of the time they missed in training camp. So I think that the pressure is starting to get there to get something done, and worst-case scenario is that he will take the qualifying offer. But I think right now there's still a hope that both sides will come to an agreement on a longer-term deal. Um, so wrapping up the Cavaliers, now we'll send it back to Rick for the Indians. Waiting for next year.com. The Indians caught up some players uh, from the minor leagues, infielders Josh Barfield and Michael Aubrey, as well as pitchers Brian Slocum, Tom Masty, uh, John Malone, and Rich Rundles, who actually made his uh, debut on Wednesday against the White Sox in a game that the Indians did drop. Notably absent were Travis Hafner and Aaron Laffey. Uh, Aaron Laffey is experiencing pain in his elbow and has been shut down for the season. Uh, David Huff, uh, also, who has apparently reached his limit physically this season, and Matt Laporta, of course, uh, who was brought over in the Sabathia trade, and uh, just as an aside, uh, CC's uh, no-hit bid officially ended today uh, when uh, Major League Baseball denied uh, their appeal of uh, his error or uh, hit on that play. Uh, Laporta will play in the Eastern League playoffs for Akron, uh, but even afterwards, I'd be surprised to see him in Cleveland. He's had a number of disruptions to his development this season, what with the trade, with the Futures game, with the Olympics, and I'm willing to bet the Tribe doesn't want to start his big league service time uh, before they have to. Now, the question I have is, what will this do to Wedge's proposed six-man rotation? You have to figure that Laffey was to be that extra starter. Now, possibly we could see Jeff Weaver still called up, or maybe the Tribe is just stalling on Laffey in order to keep him from turning free agent sooner. I guess we'll see in the coming days and weeks. Now, the question asked to me uh, from Vince from uh, Cleveland Scene Magazine this week was, if Cliff Lee wins two more games this season, how does he not win the Cy Young? Well, my answer, Vince, I have no idea. Uh, Lee, who picked up a AL Pitcher of the Month award for August, by the way, his second Pitcher of the Month award this year, uh, more than likely locked up a number of votes by shutting out a division leader with his first attempt at number 20. Of course, Lee could still get the chance to be spoiler as the Tribe faces Chicago, Minnesota, and Boston down the stretch. Lee would become only the third Cy Young winner in Indians history and the first time since Roger Clemens and Pat Henkin that teammates won the award in back-to-back seasons with, of course, C.C. Sabathia winning the award for the American league last year and now to continue the cycle let's go to rock for some news on the buckeyes waiting for next year.com.com okay we'll start things off with a little bit of recruiting news um uh jim trestle landed another outstanding uh verbal commitment over the weekend uh in the form of jamal berry a running back out of miami palmetto senior high school uh, out of miami florida um this guy is an absolute stud. He's a five-star recruit. Uh, Scout.com ranks him as the number five running back in the country. Uh, he's 5'11", 193 right now. Um, at, least, at least that's what he was last measured at. Uh, he runs a 4'3", 140. Uh, this guy is just a tough, tough runner. Um, just a power runner. He loves running through people, over people. Great contact runner. I mean, this guy is an 
ideal prototype Ohio State Buckeyes running back. Um, it's just another outstanding uh, verbal commitment that we got for the class of 2009. You know, a lot was written about the uh, 2008 recruiting class. Um, obviously, it was highlighted by Terrell Pryor, but, man, I got to tell you, this 2009 class, it sure isn't uh, losing any momentum. Um, Jim Trussell has another outstanding class coming in 2009. Um, moving on to uh, the injury updates, um, a couple quick ones here. Uh, Brian Robisky, you guys may have noticed after uh, uh, scoring his touchdown that he was favoring the shoulder a little bit and did not go back into the game. Uh, Trestle did say, though, that had he needed him, he could have gone back in and played. Uh, they just decided to shut Robisky down. Um, this could be one of those things where it kind of nags him throughout the year, never really goes away, but he'll certainly be able to play through it, and uh, nobody seems to think it's going to slow him down at all. Um, also, safety Kurt Coleman has started practicing again. Um, he was out with the uh, sprained ankle, so still haven't made a decision yet on whether we'll see him in the game on Saturday, but it is at least encouraging that he's uh, back to practicing. And uh, finally, the big one most people want to know about, of course, is Beanie Wells. Um, we're recording this on Wednesday night, and the big news tonight is that uh, Ken Gordon of the Dispatch talked with Beanie Wells' mom tonight, and uh, she says that Beanie uh, says that he expects to play on Saturday. Now, that doesn't mean he will play. Um, his mom did rule out that she said it is not a turf toe, but it is some kind of toe injury. Um, I don't know if he's going to play or not. I know uh, Doc Tressel uh, said that uh, he he has not practiced yet, and he's really questioned whether uh, Beanie's going to be ready to go by missing these practices. I think certainly tomorrow will be the key. If Beanie's out there practicing, then I think there's a chance he could play. Um, but if he's not out there practicing, I really wouldn't expect to see him play. Um, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on what's going on with, with him in practice tomorrow. Uh, that should probably tell us a lot. But I don't know really what the benefit to uh, playing him against Ohio is. Um, personally, I'd rather see him sit out, uh, just rest him up for the USC game. And there's no reason to take any risk of, of it getting any worse. I know um, I know both Jim Trestle and Doc Trestle have both said that this isn't the kind of injury that you can injure further by playing on it, but what they've said you can do is actually increase the pain um, and make it harder for you to play. So I don't want to see him increase his pain level by playing against Ohio so that it's harder for him to run against USC. Um, Ohio State's going to need Beanie Wells if they want any chance of beating USC. So I'd like to see them hold him out on this game. So uh, now to look ahead to the game against Ohio, we'll send it back over to Rick. Well, Ohio lost in week one to Wyoming, 21-20 to on the road. Uh, the Bobcats' Theo Scott led the team to an early lead, going uh, 26 for 35 uh, for 225 yards and a touchdown pass uh, before throwing a late pick and eventually losing the game there in Wyoming. Uh, junior wide receiver Taylor Price had 14 catches for 139 yards to lead the Bobcats. Uh, Scott, the quarterback, is a junior from Long Beach, California. Uh, he's in his first season as the starter, uh, replacing Brad Bauer, who uh, moved on uh, to graduation. But uh, the strength of Ohio's uh, team and probably uh, certainly their defense is the secondary, particularly after losing their top tackler and sack man, Landon Cohen, uh, defensive tackle to the draft. Um, let's face it, Ohio should be a pushover, um, and the, uh, the stronger and faster Buckeyes uh, should certainly beat them uh, with or without Beanie Wells. Uh, so 
as, as we look at this theme, it, it should be nothing more than uh, uh, Youngstown State uh, uh, squared, but uh, possibly with a, a little bit faster athletes. Um, so maybe we should expect to see uh, Ohio get a couple of first downs in this game. But uh, to be honest with you, uh, this really shouldn't be a contest. And now uh, for our main event today, we're going to be talking about the Browns. So let's go to the main event. And now, and now the main event. Main event. Well, for today's main event with the Browns starting their season this week against the Dallas Cowboys, we thought that we would bring in a Browns expert. And when you're talking Browns expert, it doesn't get much bigger than Barry McBride from the Orange and Brown Report. Thanks, Barry, for joining us. Thanks for having me back. Appreciate it. All right, we are going – and by the way, this is the first return visit for a guest star, <laughs> so, you know, you should feel somewhat special, I think. Uh, let's go ahead and get started here. Uh, let's talk about the injury front. Um, first, uh, from what we're hearing, Anderson, Edwards, Lewis, all expecting to play. They're all practicing, correct? Yeah, they all practiced today. Um, none of them were really held back. Of the three, I probably worry the most about uh, Jamal Lewis. Uh, he did not participate in everything in practice today. Uh, and, of course, uh, he's probably the diciest of those three. Uh, as hamstring injuries are, are prone to be. But uh, Anderson and Edwards uh, looking good at this point for them starting. Uh, we will find out for sure tomorrow. That's when Cornell says he's going to make a uh, declaration on the matter. Okay. Now, what are we hearing about uh, step two and cribs? Uh, who, who should we expect to see returning kicks this week? Uh, expect to see step two. Um, okay. Cripps was, you know, supposedly walking without a limp today, uh, supposedly had limited participation. Uh, I'd still to see him. Uh, the Browns, I think, are, are hoping for him to make a uh, nearly miraculous recovery and be ready for the game. They're not ruling that out yet. Uh, but based on everything we'd heard, uh, at least, uh, you know, from the perspective of some people close to the player, um, they were really doubtful about it uh, earlier in the week. Uh, again, we're going to learn more about all of these injuries throughout the week. Uh, but one thing you need to keep in mind is that uh, the media is only allowed to watch players stretch uh, and didn't talk to the players after practice. They got to talk to the players before practice. So mm. as a result, uh, you know, there's just real limited information about what exactly they did in practice. Uh, so that's why we have to sort of wait till tomorrow to, to find out a little bit more about these guys. But based on everything we know, uh, it would be step toe that you should expect to see out there. When is it that, that Cornell has to give his official injury report to the league? Well, they have to start giving their injury reports on Wednesdays. And so we got the first one today. They're a little bit different than in prior years. In prior years, uh, they simply put doubtful or uh, probable you know, yeah, or out. You know, those designations, doubtful, questionable, probable uh, on the entry report. Uh, what they're doing on Wednesdays now is they don't assign that designation until a little bit later. Uh, at this point, all they do is they, they talk about whether or not they're participating in practice. Nice. So all, all you really know when they say limited participation in practice is that uh, they didn't do everything and they did more than nothing. Uh, okay. <laughs> other than that, you don't know much of anything. All right. Uh, what about Ryan Tucker? Uh, any word on what he's been able to do, how much he's been participating? Again, the last we saw, he was working on the sidelines with the trainer. 
Um, and since we couldn't watch practice today, you don't know whether he's out there, you know, hitting a little bit. Uh, my guesstimate, again, would be that you're going to see McKinney uh, this week. Okay. Uh, whether Tucker is actually active on game day or not, I don't know. Uh, the question is who plays behind McKinney. Uh, it's not going to be Rex Hadno. Had not, he didn't even practice today. Uh, so it's either a uh, uh, ambling Tucker or Isaac Souls behind uh, Seth McKinney. But the good news is that McKinney did pretty well last year uh, mm-hmm. when he was in uh, as a starting right guard, uh, and he worked well uh, between Schaefer and Fraley. So, uh, you know, it's not the end of the world that Tucker's not in there. But uh, really, uh, I, I think all Browns fans should be looking forward to him getting back in there and starting. Okay. What about the third receiver spot? Who's who's slated to start there this week? Well, at, at this point, it, it's Steptoe. Um, you know, if you look at the official depth charts, uh, they have uh, Cribs listed uh, as well. They have him listed right behind uh, Dante Stallworth. But obviously, Cribs not going to play a whole heck of a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only guys that they have there, you know, aside from Cribs, are Steptoe and Paul Hubbard. Right. So you're going to see Cedric Steptoe. Uh, what you may see you know, even more of our two tight end sets where Winslow's being used basically as a wide receiver. Um, so and between those two things, uh, they hope to be able to keep the passing game going until uh, Jeremiah gets back and Cribs gets back. All right, well, let's switch sides of the ball here uh, before we go too much more into the roster. Uh, McGinnis and Sean Jones, uh, all reports that I've read are positive on those two that we should expect to see them, correct? Yeah, McGinnis fully participated in practice today. He had that uh, uh, he had that uh, groin pull, uh, but it seems like he's doing all right. Uh, they were very very careful with him. Obviously, you didn't see him in the preseason. Didn't see him much. Uh, Jones has had swelling in his knee, uh, and again, they've just been very very cautious this preseason, which is one of the reasons fans you know fired up. Uh, about the poor record, uh, you know, simply because they were just being careful with these guys and saving them for the regular season. Uh, Jones thinks that uh, his knee is going to loosen up. Uh, it probably will, and uh, he'll probably play. Okay. How about uh, Brodney Poole? I'm hearing different things on him. No, it, it just does not look good at this point for Brodney Poole. Uh, Romeo Cornell usually doesn't say much about injuries, but uh, – he made a reference today about not putting pool into a meat grinder uh, with his uh, uh, with his concussion. So, doesn't look real good for him. Okay, Antoine Peak. Antoine Peak, uh, I, I believe that you're going to see um, okay. this weekend. He actually, after he got hurt, um, we had uh, uh, you know very good information about him. He he thought he was going to be playing against the Cowboys, and he's stuck to that every single step of the way, and it looks like that's what's going to happen. So we're going to be back to uh, more or less full strength there at that one outside linebacker position with uh, McGinnis and Peak uh, getting back into action. Okay. Well, you know, Antoine Peak and, and the linebacking core were uh, one of my biggest surprises uh, when the rosters came out. So I'm going to ask you, what was your biggest surprise when you saw the 53-man roster? Well, you know, if you if you had told me two weeks before uh, the roster cuts that they were going to dump Travis Wilson, uh, that would have been a real surprise to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, he disappeared during preseason games. He looked very good in practice, but again, you know, practice doesn't count on the scoreboard. So uh, he faded quickly over the last couple of weeks. So you know, as this had started out, you know, early in training camp, uh, step toe and. Uh, 
uh, and uh, Wilson would have been the biggest surprise that Steptoe made it and Wilson didn't. Uh, the other one, I, which I think you're referencing as well, is, is Shante Orr. Uh, Absolutely. He looked good, and he, he's, he's a versatile player. Um, he was able to play inside. He was doing fairly well inside, and he also, you know, when he's able to shed blocks, uh, can uh, get after the quarterback from that outside linebacker position. I get the feeling that that was a painful decision uh, for the coaching staff. They decided instead to keep Chris Griffin. And Chris Griffin is no slouch when he's in there on defense, but obviously is a, a real asset on special teams. Uh, and uh, as a result, you know, that's a surprise. I would not have predicted uh, that uh, they, they would have kept uh, Chris Griffin over Shante Orr. But uh, if you take a look at it and the importance of special teams, I guess it makes sense. Uh, I'm absolutely sure that they uh, had a didn't have a smile on their faces. They had yeah. to give up Shante Orr. Well, I guess I'm surprised by that too because it was my impression that Shante Orr had played a lot of special teams in Houston, and so mm-hmm. you know I don't know if he was a you know whatever Pro Bowl caliber special teamer, but it just seems like a guy that was was used to playing that, and I think probably gave you more on the defensive side of the ball than Griffin did. I guess that was my surprise that, that they were gonna that they were gonna keep him. But I guess that maybe just goes to show how impressed they were with Alex Hall. Yeah, they really were. You know, Alex Hall, very good story uh, this year. Um, uh, Adam Kaplan and I did a podcast on the NFL, and I asked Adam what his biggest surprises, you know, were in the rookie class. And he talked about Eddie Royal and and Kevin Smith and some of these guys. And Alex Hall came up as well. Uh, Hall is just a, a very interesting player. Uh, be great to see what he's able to do next year if he's able to contend for a starting outside linebacking role. If he puts a little bit of weight on and uh, you know adjusts to the big he's going to have to make uh, in St. Augustine, but uh, he he was a very surprising rookie. He's a guy I would have expected to see on the practice squad, you know, to to train with the team but not get on the field. And uh, it really you know speaks a lot as to how open minded the coaching staff was uh, about uh, just putting a kid with raw ability on the field. Mm-hmm. Well. You know, we talked about uh, the the third wide receiver spot, and I was convinced that one of the two between Wilson and Sanders, one of those two was going to make this squad. Particularly, you know, with uh, kind of the the gimpiness of of Cribs and and Steptoe, um, and so to see, I, I guess, to see Hubbard, um, you know, make the team over those two it was a little bit of a surprise because it seemed to me that Hubbard had struggled in camp, and I know that we had read some of that. Um, it, is there is there still a signing to come? Um, you know, we've heard a lot about uh, uh, the the Browns possibly waiting till after the first game because of uh, the vested vested uh, veteran um, rule. Could you explain a little bit of that and who we might expect to see? Well, actually, you know, according to the, some of the people we've talked to, um, including some of the the people close to uh, some of the available wide receivers, uh, teams could go after vested veterans today. Uh, yesterday was the last day that uh, contracts were guaranteed. Basically what it is is if you sign a vested veteran uh, prior to today, uh, that veteran, his, his contract would be guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're the Cleveland Browns and you're talking to someone, you know, like a Joe Horn or one of the other guys who, are, who is out there, and they want a bit of money, and you're still hoping that Joe Jerevicius comes back, mm-hmm. uh, you would prefer not to deal with a, uh, a guaranteed salary. 
of this right. new guy that you brought in. You'd like to be able to cut him if he's not doing that great and if uh, Jarevich just comes back. So that's one of the reasons that uh, both the Browns and the Cowboys, who both need wide receivers, um, the reason I, I don't think you saw any action from them, it wouldn't have stunned me to uh, have seen a signing of someone like a Joe Horn today, uh, you know, once that passed. But, uh, again, they're in the middle of their preparation for the Dallas Cowboys, and it just may not have been viewed to have been appropriate. Mm-hmm. And so, as a result, you may see something early next week. What happens during this game on Sunday is going to affect what they do uh, on Monday. If another wide receiver gets hurt or if their wide receivers look good, you know, it could it could change their perspective on this. Uh, I think we learned last year how dramatically the team can move if they don't like what they saw, you know, in week one. Well, and, and not just uh, how dramatically that, that they can move, but improve. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. certainly, um, you know, the, the Browns didn't hesitate to pull a trigger last year after week one, and it certainly worked out for them. Hopefully, uh, if they need to make a move, they can do that and have uh, the same type of success. What about in the uh, the secondary? Uh, is there a good chance that we might see someone be be brought in? Well, you know, you, you, you would have thought that if that was going to happen, that it would have happened already. Um, obviously, you know, there have been some talk about some of the guys who are available. Uh, Ashton Yabuti turns out the Bills, you know, holding on to him a little bit more closely than, than we thought they would. Mm-hmm. Ty Law, there were rumors that Ty Law was going to wind up with the Patriots earlier this week. Uh, obviously, he's a guy who can come in and contribute, you know, as a nickel uh, relatively quickly. Uh, and, however, at this point, you know, wants to start, thinks he's worth a lot of money. And uh, apparently the uh, uh, the Mexican standoff with the Browns and, and Law and every other team that might be interested in Law is just going to continue hmm. um, because the team this, this week certainly could, could have used someone like a tie Law. Sure, sure. Well, let's get into this game. Uh, obviously, you spoke to it uh, briefly, but this is going to be a big game for the Browns, and, and it was a game that I think all of us kind of had circled on our schedules when we first saw them come out as a true test of, of maybe what this team could do. Um, and, and now I think with a, a little bit of a shaky preseason, it's got to, a lot of Browns fans a lot less confident and maybe a, more, a little bit more nervous about this. What are the keys to this game? Let's, let's get first word on this to Rock, bring him in back here and, and see him. Offensively, Rock, what's your key to the game against the Cowboys? Well, really seeing as how we haven't seen this first unit together at all, really, in the preseason, I really just want to see where their timing's at. Um, I mean, you remember Dallas has a very, very good defense. They were a top-ten defense in the NFL last year. And, uh, you know, if, if they could be in for a rude awakening if, uh, it, you know, if that timing isn't there. I mean, you know, we're not – with the exception of um, – of Stallworth, uh, everybody else is pretty much returning, which is good because uh, at least they went through all this um, last year. But uh, I really just want to see, you know, how, are, do you guys look healthy? Do they look fresh? Um, you know, are they or are they behind because of the time they missed and not getting very many preseason reps? So that's really what I'm looking for in this game. Okay, uh, Barry, your key offensively, but. Uh, Rock has a very good point there. I mean, if they're not able to flow in terms of the passing attack, uh, then that's going to allow Rory Williams to crowd the light of scrimmage, uh, stop the run. It's also going to allow Ware to you know, go nuts after the passer. Uh, I'm sort of thinking the same thing, perhaps from a slightly different perspective, uh, in that I put the key is the ability to run Jamal Lewis. In uh, running Jamal Lewis uh, may be dependent on getting their safeties away from the line of scrimmage. 
which means, you know, to me, uh, you want to come out early, uh, stretch the field a little bit. Uh, with Edwards, you're also going to want to hit Winslow early. Uh, you're going to want uh, Williams to have to worry about the tight end uh, coming out and, and getting, you know, 15 yards out. Um, if you read any article previewing this game, uh, read Rick Gosselin's article in the Dallas Morning News this uh, this morning. Uh, had some very, very good analysis about it. Um, we have to be able to run the ball, not get behind, you know, not make Joe Thomas's job harder uh, than it absolutely has to be. Uh, one of the things I would tell you know Browns fans uh, not to get to, uh, to get too fired up about is is uh, what's happening with the Cowboys wide receivers on offense. This is going to be a high scoring game, and in order for us to compete on this high scoring game, we have to be hitting on all cylinders, uh, and that includes running and passing. And uh, really, it's Jamal Lewis and our ability to run the ball that I think are going to be a key for us on offense. Yeah, I absolutely had uh, running the ball as, as my key to the game as well. And I, uh, you, you kind of made me nervous when you talked about Jamal's injury because I was really hoping that uh, you know he was going to be uh, you know 100% and ready to go for this game because I, I don't see us being able to uh, uh, strictly beat the Cowboys on the passing game. Plus, if we don't have a balance, that probably means that, that we're not ahead. Uh, and and you know playing catch up against the Cowboys is is a whole lot different than say playing catch up against uh, the Rams or or even the Bengals. So uh, the, the, yeah, but let's that, let's keep in mind that Dallas has a very very good defense and they can really get after a quarterback. Sure. And uh, you know I I think we the the last thing we want are nightmarish flashbacks to that New York Giants preseason game. Mm-hmm. And if we fall too far behind, that's uh, perhaps what we might see. Sure. Well, let's go ahead and flip it around then. Defensively, what's the key to the game? Rock, what do you got? Uh, for me, it's pressure, pressure, pressure. Um, and I think that's going to be the key for much of this year for this defense. They have to be able to get to the quarterback. And it sounds cliche to say, but um, I don't have much confidence in the secondary at all. Uh, it's been well documented, um, the, the issues we've got back there. Um, no depth whatsoever. And with Brodney Poole um, looking like he's going to be out, you know, we're going to see more of Mike Jones and, you know, how, how is he going to handle it? So I, when you've got a secondary that's going going to struggle to stay with guys for very long, that means you have to get to the quarterback or else, uh, especially a guy like Tony Romo, he'll sit in that pocket and pick you apart all day long. Uh, Cameron Wembley's got to get going this year. He's, you know, he's got to rebound from um, what was a pretty subpar season last year, especially compared to his rookie season. Um, so I'm really looking, I want to see Cameron Wembley uh, create pressure. You know, I want to see what Corey Williams and Sean Rogers can do on the defensive line. Um, see, see if they can push the uh, line of scrimmage back. So for me, that's where I'm looking. I'm looking to see uh, what kind of pressure we can generate. Yeah, I would like to see the Browns be able to make the Cowboys one-dimensional. Um, you know, if that means taking away the run, you know, with the defensive line, then so be it. You know, uh, as scary as that says to, to force them to, to throw the ball. You know, to some degree, I think that we have got to to create an, an unbalance, uh, and so I think their certainly their ability to get after the quarterback, but their ability to stop the run too. Barry, what do you think? I think Rock's uh, analysis is very, very good. Uh, I, I put down as my key for the Browns' defense again was uh, pressuring the quarterback, you know, stopping the run. Um, the key here is, is obviously we're not going to be able to stop uh, Terrell Owens or Witten if Romo has anything a, a approaching normal amount of time to throw the ball. Um, our secondary is just too banged up at this point. You got Mike Adams on Witten, and you got Brandon McDonald on Terrell Owens. 
and Owens is unstoppable, you know, most of the time when he's facing experienced, you know, top-of-the-line cornerbacks. And so it's going to be very, very difficult uh, for the Cleveland Browns to stop things in the secondary, so they're going to have to stop them at the quarterback. It's really going to be the play of the defensive line, which makes a difference. Um, the, the Cowboys' right guard is missing. That might help us a little bit. Um, and I, the other thing is, again, something that we saw actually against Detroit is that linebackers on this team need to stay conscious of running backs bouncing out uh, after our defensive line clogs up the lanes. Uh, I was telling to, talking to some of the guys here in the OBR, and I just said I, I just don't think that they're used to having to do that because running backs against the Browns have had no problem running right up the middle, you know, uh, year after year because we were so weak at the nose tackle position. Now things are a little bit different. Things are getting stacked up, and these guys are breaking off big runs by bouncing around to the outside. Our linebackers are going to have to stay smart. Uh, They're going to have to read the plays effectively. And uh, if they can do that, if we can get some natural pressure on that quarterback from the defensive line and, and maybe a little bit of Wembley or an Alex Hall or, or Willie McGinnis, um, then things will get interesting. Uh, but uh, at, at this point, uh, I'm pretty concerned about what the Cowboys might do to us when they're on offense, uh, unless, you know, Sean Rogers and the rest of the defensive line just has a spectacular game. All right. Well, that, uh, those are our keys to the game, and we want to thank Barry McBride from the Orange and Brown Report uh, for being our guest. Uh, check out Barry and, and all the writers at the Orange and Brown Report at uh, com. That's C-L-E dot S-C-O-U-T dot com. Barry, thanks for joining us. Thanks a bunch, guys. All right. Thanks, Barry. From uh, from WaitingForNextYear.com and the podcast, we want to thank you for uh, logging on and joining us. Have a good week. Strike three called ball game. This has been the WaitingForNextYear.com podcast. For complete coverage of the Browns, Indians, Cavaliers, and all your Cleveland teams, log on to WaitingForNextYear.com. Contact us on the Internet. Thank you and good day.